Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi everyone, I'm Toshi and welcome back to Sex in Space. We're here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. I hope everyone out there is feeling fantastic. We're excited to have you with us today, whether you're a first-time listener or you've joined us on our intergalactic travels before. Please don't forget to show your support by liking, rating, sharing and subscribing. Your feedback means the world to us, but subscribing will keep us moving. Make sure to check out our TikTok and Instagram for more great sex and space content. Just search for us using our handle at sexandspace.com. That's sexandspace, D-O-T-C-O-M. We always love hearing from our listeners and engaging with our community, so please feel free to reach out in any way you like. For today's episode, I sat down with Dr. Jane Charrington from the Sex and Space team to talk about a new book that we're releasing this January 19th. It's called How to Talk with Your Kids About Porn. It's going to be available in print form from Amazon, or you'll also be able to grab our downloadable PDF copy from our website at sexandspace.com. Dr. Jane was one of the researchers and writers for this book, so I sat down with her to talk a bit more about it where the idea came from, why it matters, what readers can expect, and what she's learned. Let's dive in. I thought I'd start by asking where the idea for the book, um, How to Talk With Your Kids About Porn, came about. Gosh, it's got a, a quite a long gestation, really, <laughs> as books go. Um, with work that I'd been doing, looking at, online porn many years ago after doing a PhD. I did some post-PhD work, what they call postdoc, um, and I looked at a few different areas, and, and online porn seemed back to, then to me to be really interesting, and it really wasn't a subject of interest, and the academic world didn't have any interest in what I was doing. They didn't care, but I was looking at it going, oh, no, there's something going on here we really should pay attention to. Um, because what I could see was that bottom line was it was a space where kids were going to get information, and I had teenagers doing that. And also, from what I could see, it was really um, all about very aggressive interactions um, where women were just um, objects to kind of play with. It was all about man-male pleasure. It was extremely heterosexual if there was any kind of um, non-heterosexual sex. It was kind of faux lesbian sex designed to make straight men happy. Um, it was a very weird space and and the kind of constant sort of, you know, of themes of getting tied up or, and, and that's all cool if that's what you're into, but this is a kind of a primary lesson book about what sex is like um, seemed a problem. And I'd been talking about this for quite a while and I talked about it um, with the team I work with in the world of creative and branding and I showed them a video of a documentary that was made in the UK to try and illustrate the level of the problem and there was a brilliant excerpt in that video where um, a young man was asked um, how do you know when sex is finished and he said in a beautifully broad northern British accent well it's like 
it's when you come on her face, isn't it? And the whole team went, oh, and immediately got the point that he clearly got his information about sex from porn, and that's not a great idea um, if that's, you know, all you have. And so that project's kind of been kick-started by that within the team. And then when we talked about, you know, maybe how do we take this conversation to the wider world, initially I was looking at doing that within the academic community and went as far as putting together for funding and all of that stuff. And, and I'm really glad I didn't get it at the time. It was ahead of its time to want it back then, but I'm really glad I didn't get it because what would have happened is would have done a whole lot of research. It would have been great, except that it would have been written in a language of academia for an academic world it would have been read by, I don't know, a few dozen people. <laughs> and maybe it would have got a little bit of press as it, you know, somebody picked up a headline and, ran it but it wouldn't have been turned into something really digestible for the rest of the world and so when I was talking to the team about this um, they basically um, warned me off being boring <laughs> um, with my academic self and said Look, let's have a crack at it and turn it into something else and that kick-started the whole sex in space project and it's the reason we're doing podcasts and talking with different people and it's the reason we've created all the stuff that we have. It, it's become a project of looking at these radical gaps in sex education and saying, how do we put something in those? And this book was our sort of second cab off the rank in that world of where are there gaps? Where, where isn't there something for parents or for young people or for queer young people or for whatever the different areas we're looking at? Where isn't there something? And there's a whole range of places we discovered where, thanks to the, the, the gaps in any sex education we do get, um, there's a lot of things that we can get on with and try and support um, creating some visibility of, but doing it in a way that's actually enjoyable, um, you know, that's not kind of patronising, that's not telling people what to think, that's actually um, fun to engage with. So talking with your kids about porn... And I'm emphasizing the with because the initial working title uh, was talking to your kids. And there's a really important difference there. Mm. Um, talking with your kids about porn um, became our number two book. So it, I think it was really 15 or oh no, 13 years in the making, maybe something like that. Amazing. And so can you talk um, our listeners through maybe more specifically what the research was that you were doing in pornography all that time ago? Yeah, I was basically, I spent 18 months surfing porn, which was wild. Um, and, you know, everything that was out there. And actually, there's been huge changes in the market in the intervening years. Like it's got um, way more challenging, I think, as a space. But even back then, just um, what I was trying to do was kind of look at them all and go, what is, what is it that they are telling us about what it is to be sexual, how you're meant to do sex, um, what, what's it telling us about how women should be, how men should be, sexual identities, relationships, what's on offer, and um, and why does that matter, and, and what might we do about that? And so that was, I was really, I guess the analogy, you know, if you look at um, fairy stories, they tell us stuff about, you know, how we should be in the world, and, and they have kind of themes that become really not just well-known, but really um, themes we live out 
in in our lives. So little girls, classically, you know, growing up, um, learned that a, a handsome prince will come along and rescue them, and life will be happy ever after. And um, you know, boys are meant to be ready to slay dragons and go on quests and have adventures. And what you've seen um, more recently are um, movies where the heroines get to be the lead and they don't need a prince and they have their own quests and adventures. And so we've started to understand that actually, you know, living in a world where we are invested in the idea of um, being living happily ever after or marriage as the, the end game for a young woman, you know, the wedding, it all stops at the wedding as they dance off with the waltz, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And, and our job to kind of tame um, the hero in some way, Beauty and the Beast being one that I mentioned. You know, all this stuff has been really, um, we've changed our thinking around it and we've started to understand the importance of stories in our culture because they give us information that we take on board to the extent it it literally structures how we live our lives. And so it's very important that we think about the stories we tell and the information they supply. It doesn't mean we can't have fantasy stories. It just means that we really have to have a good grounded understanding that that is a fantasy story. And um, so the analogy in the sex space is um, people watch something like The Fast and the Furious and they get that that isn't how people drive to work in the morning. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, that's the car chases aren't, um, you know, that's not real. It's There's a, an army of people and um, safety nets and ambulances and, and even then occasionally people get hurt on set. And so that world of... Uh, fantasy is understood as such largely. And so it's really important that we are able to ground um, for our young people sex, sexuality, sexual relationships in a really healthy space where we understand what they are, we understand how they work, how to do them. So then when we see porn, we're like, oh, yeah. And it's not that we have to then make porn the central subject and teach porn in order to teach sexuality and relationships, that other stuff needs to come first. Mm. And so this book is, it's trying to do two things at once because we live in a culture where parents don't have a lot of opportunity to learn how to talk about sex, sexuality and relationships at all. This book's trying to fill that gap as well. Really what it's saying is here's a bit of a primer on how to have conversations, when to start them, how you might want to think about having them. And here's a kind of framework in which you can put porn, like a framework in which you can put consent or a framework in which, you know, it's because it's all part of a bigger way of thinking about things. And it's just so helpful to be able to kind of read about it in a way that's very visual and, and in bite-sized pieces so you can read it and go, oh, yeah, it's not like a, it's not an academic textbook. But you can read about it and go, oh, I get it. I understand the subject, why it matters, how kids are using it today, and um, how I, as a parent, might be able to talk with kids about this, with my kids about this, and and help them be ready to deal with it, and help me be ready to deal with it. Because when I first started this journey back in the day, what kicked me off in terms of the postdoctoral work was one of my kids had, I think, probably one of the first sexual animations available online. Because we hadn't, there wasn't much of an online world back then. But I found it on a computer, and mm. I thought, "Wow, this is 
full-on stuff, and it really was, even for back then, and it was anime. Um, I thought, well, if that's what they're getting, what else is out there? And and what is this teaching my sons? Because it was the boys that had been playing in that space. What is this teaching my sons about relationships and sexuality? And what is it priming them to desire as well? Because that's the other thing about porn. It's not just, you know, it, it's a place to get information. About how do people have sex? What do they do? You know, when I was spending all that time watching it, you don't just watch it neutrally. You watch it and you you some of it um, turns you on. Some of it's exciting. Some of it's sexy. Some of it's cool. Some of it's like, oh, dear God, no. You know, so there were days when I'd have to take a break, literally have a, a few days where I didn't go near it because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, I remember hearing, a, a, talking with various people as part of my research, um, one person who worked in censorship used to have to go home at night because they had to watch and rate films all the time. That was their job. And they used to have to go home at night and just not talk to anybody, not even the family dog. They'd just sit in a dark room because they were just so overloaded with stuff that they couldn't process. But there were other days when I'd be watching it and I'd be like, oh, well, I'd call my partner, hey, come home. You know, it's like, oh, this is good. Um, so it, it literally can, so if you're watching stuff on repeat, it really has an effect on shaping what you find sexy. Mm. And if you're watching on repeat um, things that are involving non-consent, coercion, you know, aggressive sex um, and um, choking is a classic that comes up as one of the contemporary themes that young women in research identify as thinking that they should be enjoying and should be up for enjoying is that kind of having somebody... Um, sort of semi-choking you in a sexual way, and that's not ideal, shall we say. Mm. So it's important that we understand not only are we gearing young people up to be able to deal with what they find out there, but we also need to make sure what they've got is a really nice, healthy set of frameworks and understandings to start out with. It's the difference between raising your kids to enjoy any healthy, nutritious food or starting them off on, um, you know, the golden arches who shall not mm. be named unless we be <laughs> told off. But, you know, it, it, you, it, if you overload them with sugary, overly processed stuff from the get-go, um, it's pretty tough to then go, oh, actually, if you want to avoid type 2 diabetes, then you really might want to pull back on some of that sugar and some of that processed food. And, yeah. And so you, you can't just leave this gap of nothingness when it comes to understanding that your kids will develop a sense of what is sexy and, and what they're into and up for as they grow up. And therefore, it really matters in terms of how they interact with, digest and feel about what they see online. Is there maybe one piece of advice that you could sort of pull from the book that you'd be willing to share now with parents in terms of having those conversations with kids? Yeah, look, I guess to talking with each other is the most important thing that you can do. And, and it's, you know, we were asked by other reviewing experts rightly to dial up the fact that this is can feel really scary to do, really intimidating and um, that's because most of us didn't get any help. We don't even know how to, we don't even know the words, let alone how to use them. So 
learn how to talk about sex. Absolutely. Learn how to say the words, you know, learn which words to use. You know, I'm constantly <laughs> spend my life going, no, vulva is on the outside, vagina's on the inside. And and even hearing those words for some people, a lot of people, and be like, oh, you know, don't use those words. They're just words. But learning how to talk with each other, um, you know, with your partner, um, with your friends, you've got to practice and, and get to grips with being able to have conversations about these things. Mm. And so this book can help kickstart that process and use it. Is there um, maybe like a specific thing that you learned that you'd like to share when you were putting this book together, something that you've taken away from the research that you've done? I think what I was thrown by actually a little bit was when I went back in this research, because there's been a 10-year more gap between the first round and the second round. And the things that I was worried about, you know, 14 years ago, um, and the things that I see now, it's got way worse mm. in terms of the levels and types of violence that I see being enacted as pleasurable and the visibility of the stuff that's ethical and good. And there is ethical and good stuff out there. It's, you know, we're not judging it at this end. We're saying understand how to judge it, mm. but um, it's that's getting increasingly hard to find. And some of the thematics in there, you'll see that the kind of big players out there now are trying to avoid using words in the same way like teen. But when you go out there and have a good hunt and look, some of what's there is clearly pitching much younger looking women as what it is that is sexy and to, to desire. And you put that in a social context of young women getting harassed and, and uh, increase in rape and coercion and non-consensual activity. And you go, well, yeah, this is not great then, you know, that we have a, a huge quantity of material out there that says, but this stuff is sexy. This is what you should be after. This is what's desirable. Um, so, you know, rape fantasy, um, there's incestuous themes is another big one. Um, you know, the... Um, the college girl, the teenager, the babysitter, these are all these are all there. And on one hand, yeah, sure, you know, fantasy is fantasy. But if it's the main source of information and it's the constant piece of information that you're getting, you really got to watch it and go, mm, yeah, this is probably, we should be talking about this stuff rather than just, um, you know, I mean, every, rather than just letting, everybody kind of go to it as they can it's there are ways the book covers it in which you can set up some safety measures for your kids but they're out there in the world with other kids whose parents aren't setting up safety measures mm. it's no good thinking that won't be my kid or you know we've got our 18 stuff on in our house so we've got net guard and we've got um, we, we check their phone it's like they're on the bus with kids whose phones aren't being checked and and they're watching at age 12 age 11 um, you know, it's it's just, it's everywhere now. And the chances of them avoiding it are slim to none. So um, don't be naive, um, but do get armed. And, and you know, this, this book, we wrote it because there's such a gap. There's nothing like it out there. Um, I suspect there will get to be more of it out there. But, but, you know, read it, digest it, tell us what else you need from us, but, but take it on, you know, you, 
it, it won't take much of your life to have a read of it, but it hopefully will change the way you tackle the subject. And just before we wrap up um, this podcast, is there anything else that you would like to add that we haven't discussed about the book? Um, I think, you know, it's it's such a tricky area to be dealing with. We've tried to make it as accessible and interesting as possible. But this is a project that involves a lot more people than us and a lot more players than us. And so what we've done is kind of opened a subject area and said, here, let's talk about this. And we've alluded to the fact that there are um, really important communities out there who also, um, while we've touched on some of the reasons for which this is an important resource, there are other resources out there needed and there are other pieces of work being done. Mm -hmm. Use this as a jump off point to go exploring other stuff. And I guess um, understand that while, you know, this kind of the way we raise our kids, we like to think, you know, it won't happen to us or my kids. You just want to live a an inverted commas normal life. There's a chapter around normal in the book um, and why that's a very weird idea. But um, it, what you also want your kids to grow up with is an education that allows them to be kind, respectful, thoughtful about others in the world. And the other kind of gaps in sex ed that I find I think about a lot is that it, uh, the reason we have the kids who are from the LGBTQ plus community um, and particularly LGBTQIA plus community um, it, it, going to online is because there's absolutely nothing in schools for them at all. And I put the I in that second run deliberately because it gets left out so often, and that's the intersex community. Um, again, we'll have other pieces coming out and addressing these subjects, but if your kids grow up understanding, not only do not all vulvas and not all penises look like the ones they see in porn, but the world isn't split into male and female. The world is on a gender continuum, and it includes quite diverse bodies and diverse um ways of being in the world and and gender isn't binary it's 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 uh, much more fluid than that and sexual preference isn't binary it's much more fluid than that sexuality isn't it, it, you we aren't taught any of this in school yeah. we touch on it lightly in the book because these are other big topics to cover off but yeah. i'd say for me the that's the thing that comes to mind is if you're going to start getting educated that there's actually an a to z of sex education in the book it says these are the things you might want to get yourself educated on use that and get educated on those things and you'll be setting your kids up really well and yourself learning for everyone involved yeah exactly yeah and it's fun it can be really interesting and fun mm. you know i mean it's beats learning um you know i don't know how to fix a dishwasher yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't been taught that yet learn the stuff that will be really helpful in your household yes with some amazing aliens in there too to make it more accessible. Yeah, no, I'm, I should be wearing um, one of the alien T-shirts and I'm not today, but the aliens are, um, yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, and so actually that's another way to support this work because it's all self-funded at the moment. And um, so if people want to get along and support what we're doing, we've got some cute T-shirts and mugs and things like that that you can 
um, buy and enjoy in your home. Yes, you yeah. can go to sexthespace.com forward slash shop if you'd like to check them out. Please do. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Georgie. <laughs> We really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you're interested in finding out more about our book How to Talk With Your Kids About Porn, you can head over to our website at sexandspace.com to subscribe for more updates. Alternatively, check us out on Instagram at at sexandspace.com to be reminded when it's released. Please make sure to leave a like, follow, comment, share or review wherever you're tuning in from and if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, safe travels and see you on the next episode.